Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, we've got a double feature. Later on, we'll talk about how the federal government is looking to hire tech workers, data scientists, and data experts included. But first, we'll hear about the state of federal health care data since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. We're going to feature part of a recent panel from FCA's Health IT Summit. We'll first hear from Dylan George, the Director of Operations for the CDC's Center for Forecasting and Outbreak Analytics. I came to CDC from the private sector. And the reason that I did that is I left the private sector is because I do think that we are at a transformative moment in the United States and globally. We live in an era of pandemics and epidemics. We also have had major stumbles in how we actually use data as a superpower to actually engage and to help keep our families, our communities, and our nation safe from infectious disease outbreaks. But we're also at a perilous time from the standpoint of we need to make sure that our public health infrastructure is much more robust. And that's why I left the private sector to come and help out in this, in this pivotal transformative moment that we need to have a better capabilities going forward. So I'm, uh, it's an absolute honor and privilege to be chatting with you all who are working on health IT because that's the crux. That's, we need people with your skill sets to help make the infrastructure much more robust. And so um, I don't have to convince you all that there have been stumbles and there's been challenges in the, in, over the last three years using data to guide decision making in a time of crisis. One of the reasons um, for that, as we all know, is that infections happen to individuals, into communities very quickly, and in an outbreak and an epidemic, they happen at speed and scale. And what I mean by that is that many people start becoming infected, many communities start being infected, cross jurisdictions, cross different um, uh, providers, and it happens very quickly. It, it clearly overwhelms the way we've organized ourselves in providing healthcare and providing public health. Uh, and so we need systems that can move at speed and scale as well. So we need to transform how we do this uh, going forward. Now, the Center for Forecasting and Outbreak Analytics is a brand new organization within the Center for, within CDC. We are trying to pre-position data analytics to make sure that we can actually have analytical capabilities at speed and scale to support the federal government, state and local uh, decision makers going forward. We are currently piloting a handful of different innovative ways of bringing data scientists into the federal government, working collaboratively with the private sector, and moving information more quickly to uh, state and locals. And so we're, we're excited about the capabilities we're trying to put into place, and we're looking forward to working with the private sector in a more robust way on that. Transparency, just to touch on your, your last point, though, is a key component on how we're trying to do this. We want to make all our workflows, all our algorithms, all our data as transparent with the public as possible because we want you to show us where we're screwing up, where we're not meeting the mark, and to help us improve upon that going forward. Transparency is going to be key in how we meet our mission going forward. You know, one of the things that we're trying to accomplish within the Center for Forecasting Outbreak Analytics is, is using data as a superpower, like I said. One of the things that we're trying to think about is trying to be money ball for public health. So many of you have probably seen the story about Moneyball and how they used analytics to optimize a poorly performing baseball team to become a champion. 
we need to use that same sort of approach with public health so that we cannot use blunt force trauma in applying non-pharmaceutical interventions in a time of crisis, but we can precisely and accurately use them in a very similar way so that we can optimize how we bring those to bear. Now, some people don't like when I use this analogy as well because it's, you know, the, the Department of Defense actually figured out how to do this as well. There's something referred to as the strategic offset in DOD and trying to use different technologies to make sure that we have a technological advantage in offset against some of our um, adversaries. So one of the advantages that we've come up with in a strategic offset is something called net-centric warfare, or net-centric tenants. Fundamentally what that is, is how do we use information to use to bring it to the warfighter at the lowest level so that they can be the most effective on the battlefield. We, again, are in an age of pandemics and epidemics. We need to be able to use net-centric tenants in public health in the same way that we've done on the battlefield such that we can actually be much more precise, much more effective, and much more able to use data as a superpower going forward. There's lots of challenges in this, but it's people in this room that will make the transformation happen going forward. So I'm very grateful for the efforts that you all put into this. Lots of challenges ahead of us as a group, lots of opportunity, and we need to get it right. We've seen over the last three years that what happens when we don't get it right, but now we need to work as a group to make sure that we can do it and use data as a superpower. That was Dylan George, the Director of Operations for the CDC's Center for Forecasting and Outbreak Analytics, speaking at AFSIA's Health IT Summit. Now we're going to hear from Aloka Chakravarti, Senior Statistical Advisor and Director of Data Analytics for the Food and Drug Administration's Office of the Commissioner. We are at a transition point where we should look at data as a team sports. Because, you know, you have to have the data scientists, the statisticians, bioinformaticians, technology, and IT all talking together in common language and common terms so that we can understand each other's needs and address to it. I have been at FDA for 30 years. And for 28 years of that, I was the acting office director and deputy director of Office of Biostatistics, dealing with clinical trials data. When the pandemic hit, then we realized how fragmented our systems are, and drug was in the center for drugs. Vaccines were in the center for biologics and testing and diagnostics is in the center for devices. So we needed someone to quickly come in and coordinate so that each of the groups are talking much more together. They always talk together, but much more together on on a daily basis and form a united group to be able to look at this unprecedented pandemic with unprecedented data needs. In 2021, FDA published the Data Modernization Action Plan. And that was very timely with the activities that I was doing in the Chief Data Officers group. And there were three major pillars to that. The first one was to execute high-value driver projects. 
The second one was to develop consistent and repeatable data practices across the agency. And the third was to create and sustain strong talent network. Each of these units really make the data actionable. So unless you have a high value driver project that can show the value of the assets that you have, it's a moot point. I lead many of the real world data, real world evidence activities at the agency. And um, we have always used RWD for last 15 years, but using it, it in a place where we do not know much about the natural history of the disease or, you know, uh, the transmission, the treatment modalities, it was a perfect time to come in and show how the data can be augmented for actionable insights. Now, to do that, there are few things that you need coming into the door. The first one is data quality. Unless the quality of the data, and this is a major issue in RWD. So unless the data is of a high quality, you will not high have high quality insights come out of it, right? So to do that, you know, you need the reliability of the data, you need the accountability of the data, and you need the traceability of the data. So you can go back to the source and make sure that, you know, what you're basing your actions on really makes sense. With that comes fitness for purpose. We do not talk about this quite as often. But fitness for purpose is how good is this data for my needs at hand? And to do that, you know, you're first going to see for the size of the data, you know, how big is it, how many patient years of experience are you collecting, and so on. But you're also going to uh, have questions about what is the data granularity? Is it collecting the information that is needed? Do we have the right data elements? Do we have the right data elements collected with the necessary level of detail? And then um, how longitudinal is the data? If you're looking at something over time, is it enough for the question on hand? So, you know, you have to look at the entire life cycle of the data to be actionable. The ingestion should be very standard with FDA often recently published four guidances on RWD. So with that, the access through centralized data catalog, um, analysis using innovative designs, not something that is, you know, decades old, things that use the new sources of data in an optimal way. That was Aloka Chakravarti, Senior Statistical Advisor and Director of Data Analytics for the Food and Drug Administration's Office of the Commissioner. We're going to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to talk about how the federal government is looking to recruit tech workers, data scientists, and data experts included. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network.
Welcome back to All About Data. In this segment, we're going to talk about how the Office of Personnel Management is leading a government-wide effort to recruit tech workers facing mass layoffs in the private sector. OPM created a new occupational series for data scientists in 2021, and now agencies are looking to hire a lot more of them. For more, we're going to talk with Senior Advisor for OPM's new hiring experience group, Kylie Russ. We're all reading the news. We're all seeing all of these layoffs, um, hearing stories about people who are thinking about the impact that their highly unique skill sets can have and maybe aren't having right now the impacts that they want. And so hearing all of this, we started to connect with a few outside organizations like Tech Talent Project. Federation of American Scientists, these really amazing nonprofits who are thought leaders in this space, we started to talk to them about like what could happen to really facilitate movement from the private sector into the public sector, whether it's people who have been laid off or whether it's people who are just rethinking what they want to do with their careers. And Tech Talent They've organized this movement of people called Tech to Gov. That's a group made up of a bunch of amazing organizations. When they were organizing, and once we got even just a little bit into the conversation, OPM decided that we wanted to have a really active role in this. And so that has really paid off. We have about 50 agencies uh, registered for the fair, which is amazing. We're really excited about the agency interest. And so OPM decided we wanted to co-host this so that we could help organize agencies, help agencies think about what are the hiring authorities you can think about using for this? What recruiting tactics can you think about particularly for this fair? So it's really been a part partnership between Tech Talent Project, Volcker Alliance, and a bunch of others, and OPM. But as co-hosts, we're really excited about the turnout of agencies at the federal level. That's really great to hear that this has long-term implications here. What are some of the other ways that this is now such a big opportunity for private sector tech workers to join federal service? The federal government is really ready to invest in tech and tech teams right now. We know that investing in digital service teams and supporting them from the beginning can really yield some amazing results. One thing that we're doing is really investing in assessments to make sure that subject matter experts are at the table. SMEQWA is what I'm talking about, making sure that if you're a subject matter expert in government, we want to make sure that you are helping to choose what really makes an IT product manager qualified in federal government. And so bringing in those experts to the table throughout the hiring and assessment process is something that we are trying to scale right now. So SMEQA has been kind of in the federal atmosphere for a while, but there's actually a new group at OPM called the Hiring Experience Group, or HX, that has the mission of like innovating in federal hiring. And so one of the things that we're working on is scaling assessments, including SMEs. Another thing that we're working on is shared certificates. Basically, instead of an applicant having to apply to a job at EPA, ED, OPM, over and over and over at very different jobs, if you're applying for an IT product manager role, let's have you apply once. And then everybody who's hiring for that role can select off of the people who are qualified for that role. How is that helping to address what we're talking about? That really helps with time to hire if you think about it from the applicant's perspective because they're not having to apply, 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 apply. They apply once and then everyone who is hiring can make an offer to that person, assuming that they make it through. The last thing that I'll talk about is we are really trying to invest in early career talent. We are anticipating that 
people who were getting ready to graduate from technical programs, from different degree programs, maybe thought that they were going to go work at some of these big tech companies who are now, of course, laying off workers. We are hoping that we can scoop up some of that early career talent. We're especially interested in this idea because there's been some statistics that have come out recently that say that for 70% of people graduating from programs right now, their number one thing that they're looking for in a job is stability. And government definitely can provide that. So couple those two facts. And we're really thinking about how can we scoop up some of this tech talent, especially at the early career stage, because that's part of OPM's real strategic plan right now. You know, it seems like there are just really trade-offs wherever you work, private sector, public sector, there's going to be pros, there's going to be cons. I'm just kind of curious, you said stability is like the number one thing that new hires are looking for and the government can offer that. What are some of those additional benefits the federal government can offer that might be something that is unique to government and that the private sector can't really offer quite as well? Sure. And to be clear, really, it's early career stage. People graduating from like college universities that are looking for stability. I would say that there are at least three that we really want to stress. One is work-life balance. People in government work really, really hard, but government does a really good job of managing when you are ready to sign off or like when it's time to sign off, then you should do that. I know from my experience that that is not necessarily true in the private sector, and that is definitely a value proposition the government has. Another one is benefits. We have really amazing benefits, including pensions, which are unheard of for the most part in the private sector. And then saving like least practical, but the most impactful from my experience in recruiting people is the mission. If you want to make true change at a systemic level, so not Band-Aid fixes, at the system-wide level, you're going to impact literally hundreds of millions of people. Government is the place for you. We know that technologists can come in and make a difference from inside of government and like impact hundreds of millions of Americans, but also people across the globe. So mission and like every agency has a unique mission. And depending on where your passions lie, there's a place for you. If you can dream of a job, the federal government probably has it. Sure, like there are jobs in HR, in OPM. Um, there are also obviously jobs in tech, IT product, data science is like a new job to the federal government. But in terms of mission, you can help land someone on the moon. You can help people access clean drinking water. Like there is just, you could do anything. One thing that was interesting, again, with kind of the VA component of things that I imagine has government-wide implications is VA CIO Kurt Delbeni says, look, I still split my time between Washington State and D.C. I'm not in the office 100% of the time. I don't expect you to be in the office 100% of the time. It seems like these are hires that are really conducive to telework, to remote work, and you know everything in between. How is that helpful for agencies to recruit from this broader pool? So helpful. We know that workplace flexibilities can help attract the best talent across the country, no matter where they are, thanks to lower stress, work-life balance, less commuting, flexible work hours. Productivity at home is the same, if not better, than in the office, and we've definitely seen that. Agencies have a lot of flexibilities in what they can offer, and we're really encouraging agencies to think about those flexibilities for this type of event. This is a virtual event. And if, you know, if we can make this work, we should be able to make remote work 
continue to work for us. Telework, remote work, hybrid work, we know can really save taxpayers money thanks to higher employee retention and decreased onboarding costs too. OPM's report on telework for fiscal year 2020 actually showed more than $180 million was saved across government thanks to telework programs, reducing absence and reducing transit and commuting costs. What can OPM and other agencies do to kind of help manage this transition of culture? I think a lot of these people, they come from a work environment where the mantra, at least for a while, has been move fast and break things. Some good reasons you can't necessarily do that at a lot of agencies. So how can that transition be a successful one and how can OPM set these people up for success? I think this is an OPM thing, but I also think that this is across government and really a private-public partnership discussion. So on that last point, we're actually working with partners like Tech Talent Project to develop and disperse materials and examples Tech Talent Project has um, as part of the ramp up for this series is producing some videos on stories of exactly what you're talking about. Like, what is it like to go from private to public, public to private? Can you go private to public and then back to private? Or once you come to government, is that where you are? Like, we're trying to really tell the stories of people who have successfully transitioned between to show that that can happen. Because we know that for many people, they don't think about their career as like, I'm going to stay in one place for 30 or 40 years. So we want to be thinking about how to encourage people to come and do a tour of duty within government. We're working on telling the story in government to people who are coming in from the outside, from the tech sector, to talk about what is it going to be like? What do you need to be successful? How can we prepare you to do some culture change? How can we prepare you to find other people in government who are like innovative and excited to be doing the types of things that maybe these people are coming in with? And also, what can you be doing with your immediate team to be pushing for change quickly like you are used to in the private sector, but also knowing that maybe the speed of change is going to be slower because there are oftentimes things that are like at much greater risk, which of course translates to maybe more impactful. That was Kylie Russ, Senior Advisor for OPM's new hiring experience group. You can find more episodes of All About Data and related articles on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. We'll be right back.